Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. So, uh, speaking as a father, fathers need wisdom. We're kicking off a new series, technically starting next week, but really can start today, uh, on wisdom. And um, I thought, here's how I wanted to start the message today. I have decided that going forward in all my messages, I am going to be a whole lot less condescending than I normally am. Carlisle, that means I'm not going to talk down to people. <laughs> i just leave that with you for a minute. I, th- I thought it was pretty funny. I, th- I, thought, I thought it was good. Anyways, um, here, in a world today, here, here, here's the truth. In a world today, we are being told that masculinity is wrong, masculinity is toxic, masculinity is unhealthy, all of this stuff about masculinity. And on Father's Day, I found it particularly offensive. Believe it or not, I'm signed up with the Liberal Party of Canada to receive all of their emails. And it's hard for me to read those emails, but I do. And whenever they attach a person's name and picture at the bottom, I just take 5, 10, 15, sometimes 30 seconds and pray for that person. And I pray about the content that's in those emails. But here's the one that drives me crazy I got this week. Travers, because I actually didn't give them the correct spelling of my name, for obvious reasons, I would think. Um, But would you sign a Father's Day card (laughs) to Justin Trudeau and all the fathers in Canada? And I'm like... I just got your email last week about eliminating binary gender and going from breastfeeding to chest feeding and all this stuff. I'm just like, this is so confusing. But guys, this is the world we live in. We live in a world that wants to reject fathers, but still somehow in some part knows they got to honor fathers. And this is, the, this is the time we live in. And to be fair to the world, men have not always done a great job of demonstrating healthy fatherhood or healthy masculinity. But I want to talk to you today about that because there's actually training and structure in the Word of God for you and I as men to become all that God wants us to be, and I think even more than we could ever be by by ourselves. And so if you'll just walk with me through this short message today, I think by the end of it, um, I think you're going to have a tool maybe you didn't have before. Listen, the fact of the matter is that the world needs men, specifically the world needs fathers. Because fathers have the ability to, in their masculinity that is healthy and in the image of God, carry restorative healing power to the hearts of people. Moms do it. The, The feminine is a powerful part of God's reality. Now some of you struggle with that, but femininity is a part of God's reality. Jesus wanted to be like a mother hen and gather Jerusalem under his wings like a hen would gather her chicks. He's ordained us to be the bride of Christ, to be one with us, one spirit with us. And so we don't need to worry too much about the the fine lines of doctrine because that's not the point. It's just that today we need to understand that masculinity is as important to this world as it's ever been, and maybe even more so. And healthy fathers need to be the product of healthy masculinity. God-ordained, God-driven, God-powered masculinity. Don't be fooled for a second. Satan would love to believe, love the world to believe that fathers can't be trusted, that, that masculinity is ultimately bad. Why? Because if he can convince the world that a father can never be trusted, he's already got a foothold in our ideology about who our Heavenly Father is. It's very simple. That's why I will vehemently 
defend fathers and masculinity. We need it in the body of Christ. Trust me, no lady actually wants to be married to a piece of wet spaghetti. All right. Now, we have some great men in this church. We have a lot of great men in this church. We have a lot of great fathers in this church. And not just because you're great and not just because today is a Father's Day message, but because Christ has begun a good work in so many of you. And you know what? He's going to see it to completion. He's going to perfect you. And I just want to urge you this morning to let that process happen in your life because where God wants to take you as you're planted in Generations Church is to heights and depths that you never imagined before. It's exciting, and it's going to be a great time together. If you have your Bible, let's go to 2 Corinthians 1. And here we're going to read the words of the Apostle Paul. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comfort us, comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I hope that this verse alone brings obvious and immediate solution to some of the problems we might see as men, as fathers. Real followers of Christ know compassion. We know sympathy. And we should, for the record in today's language, know how to rightly divide between sympathy and empathy and compassion and know where the boundaries of those things are. You can't save anyone by feeling with them. But you can reach out to them by feeling for them, by understanding, by sympathizing with them. Real followers of Christ know that compassion because it's been poured out on us. And so real fathers receive and give comfort to those around them because they themselves have been comforted by God. You see, the problem with the way people like to do it is that we, they, you, comfort with what they think will bring them comfort. That's why masculinity is so stained and so strained by things like pornography or violence or anger and all the like that goes with that. Because men have turned to things that they thought would comfort them rather than turn to the one who can comfort them. See, comfort is a person, not a thing. My wife knows. Let me say it again, guys. Church, comfort is a person, not a thing. It is a virtue of the one who made you, your creator, the comforter. He gives us the Holy Spirit, the comforter. It's a part of, it's a part of who God is. It's a part of his revealed person to us. So if your source of comfort is stained by things that are not the one who is bringing comfort to you, the one who rightly should bring comfort, then the truth is that the comfort you offer is also stained by the things that have stained you. And so if you comfort from a place of addiction, your comfort is not going to actually help those in addiction. Rather, it's going to keep them in addiction. And obviously, I would hope at this point, I don't have to explain this a lot more, these things perpetuate one another because there is simply a life cycle to it, never forgetting, though, that the iniquity of the Father is visited on the generations, the third, the fourth. It's serious that we as men take our source from the right source. That we come to our Father for His mercy, for His grace, for His compassion, for His filling, so that what flows out of us when we are brought to trial, temptation, struggle, or the need of another person, that what flows out of us is from our Father. 
Men and fathers everywhere need to remember that our source is our Heavenly Father. It is Christ the Son, Jesus, and it is the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. We need all three, and He wants to use us. The Bible says in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift comes down from our Heavenly Father. And believe me, He intends for all of those good and perfect gifts to flow through His men in this world. What about the women? Well, it's Father's Day. Don't worry, ladies. You're not ignored. You're not overlooked. It's just Father's Day today. I'm reminded of the old Gaither song called A Few Good Men. Some of you would not know it because you're not of the generation that would even know what a Gaither is, some of you. But the lyrics to the song, I love them, what this dying world could use as a willing man of God who dares to go against the strain and work without applause. A man who will raise a shield of faith, protecting what is pure, whose love is tough and gentle, a man whose word is sure. God doesn't need an orator who knows just what to say, and he doesn't need authorities to reason him away. He doesn't need an army to guarantee a win. He just needs a few good men, men full of compassion, who laugh, who love and cry, men who will face eternity and aren't afraid to die. Men who will fight for freedom and honor once again. He just needs a few good men. I learned that song and had to sing it with a group of older men as a teenager. I got to tell you, that changed my appreciation of what the standard is for a man. And men, Generation Church, that is who God is looking for you to be. One of the few in this world... But here's the beautiful thing. Men of God, if you will come under that spiritual covering of the Holy Spirit, if you will come under the spiritual covering of a church and a doctrine and a way of understanding Jesus, this amazing thing happens. It gives you the ability to spiritually procreate, to share this into the lives of other people so that it can take root there and become fruitful in them. And make no mistake, that is the whole purpose. The whole purpose is the gospel being seed that can be sown so that it can be perpetuated in another place and in another generation. He intends for every good and perfect gift to flow through the people of this world. 1 Corinthians 4, 14-16. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. There I urge, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. You see, when I see the church, and it's not okay, but what I see is are many men willing to be guardians. When what the church needs are fathers. I see a church that's willing to say, I'll go to the wall, I'll stand on the wall with my weapons of warfare, and I'm going to do service for Jesus, standing here on my wall, protecting my moat, protecting my kingdom, I mean God's kingdom, but I'm going to have my weapons, and I'm going to be here. There are many willing to be guardians, but there are few willing to be fathers. This has been a problem for the church all along. Even if you had 10,000 guardians of Christ, you do not have many fathers. 
When you take these words into their actions to understand their meaning, it becomes very plain. What do guardians do? They guard. Man, Ed, you are brilliant. You are brilliant. Guardians guard. And fathers to what? Father. Is there a difference? Absolutely, there is a difference. Because while being a guardian is important and appropriate in many times and places, it is one action that basically involves getting to poke things with spears and shoot arrows at things and repel and rebuke. But see, fathers don't get only to guard. They don't only get to repel and rebuke. Fathers are burdened with the responsibility of restoration, of reproving and restoring, of regenerating. And it's a beautiful thing if you could just understand that God is calling you to be so much more than a guardian of the faith, man of God. God is calling you to be a father of the faith. And you say, Pastor Travis, I don't like that. I don't, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a, I'm not a, and you start going through all the things in your head. Can I just draw your attention to verse 16? I urge you to imitate me. What's Paul saying? Do what I do because in Christ I became your father. See, when Jesus called Pastor Amy and I to plant this church, he called us to a parenting role. And like the video said, one day I will get fired. And so will all of you as earthly fathers. We will. We'll get fired. But by the grace of God, and if we've done well, we will absolutely be called in as consultants. And guys, that's just for the record a season we're in as a church right now, where I'm handing off responsibility and authority left, right, and center, and stepping back to a place where I do an awful lot of consulting and talking and coaching and encouraging, and I'm really excited about this season. It's a lot of fun, actually, and it's hard still. We need men to realize that guarding is not where it's at. Guarding is not where the job ends. Digging moats and building towers according to whatever informs your dreams and your desires. It might be God, but what if it's selfish ambition? Then what kind of a moat or tower are you digging or building? Is it for the kingdom? Is it not for the kingdom? But when you're only ever worried about what you're guarding and not what you're going to be fathering, you're only focused in the now. And let me tell you something about the body of Christ, the church. You see, the body of Christ, the church, is a future-oriented organization. And anyone who puts their hope in the past is going to be greatly disappointed. It's the truth. I set my eyes on heaven. I set my eyes on the prize. I set, I set my gaze on things above. Forgetting what lies behind. In other words, not looking at the past but forward, I press on towards what Jesus has for me. We are a future-oriented organization. And I think, guys, the only thing that should keep us in the now is the fact that we're in it. It's okay to honor the past. It's good to build altars so that when we come by that way sometime in the future, or our children come by that way, that they are testified to about what the Lord has done. But what the Lord has done is far more concerned with what He wants to do than we have ever considered. 
The reason why God says, taste and see that I am good, is not so that we can only know he was good in the past, but it's so that we can know that he is going to do in the future exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That's why we're a future-oriented organization. That's why even though young men in the church, you are not fathers today, but let me tell you, in how you read the Word of God, in how you worship, they're just all over here, so I'm going to go over here for a minute. How you worship, how you pray, how you read, how you think, how you conduct yourselves as young men in the kingdom of God will have a great, have a, oh man, it has everything to do with who you're going to become. And if you ignore it now, you will never arrive where you thought you would be. So now is the time to think about what I'm going to be when I'm a dad. It's not too early. I love the fact that we have a young man in our church by the name of Matthias who may have talked to a grown man in this church several years ago about his daughter's hand in marriage. What was that about six years? Was he six? Matthias, how old were you, man? He's already got the engagement ring bought. He bought a quarter section of land and some cows. Like, he's ready. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> he's out of here now. No one's holding him to it. But hey, what's wrong with being future-oriented, man of God? You see, here's the problem for most men. We're actually afraid to dream. We're actually afraid to plan that far ahead and let me just be really straight with you. It's because you don't trust God. That's why. Now hear this. I love you. I love you. If we stick with this ideology that somehow men are just called to be guardians, build moats, build towers, Following the analogy, all we're doing is taking our precious daughters and locking them in the tower in the fairy tale. Right? If, that, if that's all you're doing. If, if you're building a business and all you're doing is trying to guard your business and not think about the kingdom that it will advance and what it will do in the future for the kingdom of God, all you're doing is locking a princess in a tower and if you're particularly grouchy, you're putting a fierce dragon in front of the moat to ward off intruders, to ward off all comers. Here's the problem with building according to a fairy tale. When it goes wrong, you will be having a nightmare. Doesn't work. And this isn't a fairy tale. That's not how God designed this to work. So we need to stop living in the fairy tale reality. We need to start trusting God for the real reality, for the impossible things that he's promised. Why? So that you can become a father. But Pastor Trav, I still, I'm stuck. I don't think I want to become a father in the spiritual sense. My friend, you don't have a choice. If you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, if you're going to follow the process of discipleship, you will become a spiritual father. At some level, it's going to happen. You cannot really stop it. And Paul invites us to be imitators of him not only as he follows Christ, but also in the imagery of becoming a spiritual father. And men, we need you to do that. It, it's not the same for women to become spiritual fathers. Women can have spiritual authority, and they do have spiritual authority. But we need mothers in the house of God, and we need fathers in the house of God. We need that balance. We need that perspective. Come a father too. 
imitate, imitate, imitate me. We don't like that word imitate, do we? We don't like it. You know, (laughs) I'll cover this in the notes. I'm just about done. I'm imitating what I see as the pastor of this church and what I know of my Heavenly Father. That's, That's really all I have to go on. I read the Bible. I listen to wise counsel. I react and respond, try to be proactive for situations. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to imitate my Father. And you should try to imitate your Heavenly Father. And you should try to imitate those who God brings in to lead your life. That's who I imitate. I imitate the wise men of God who God has put in my life. I listen to what they say. I consider what they say. Sometimes I do the things they do. You know, sometimes I even do the things my wife says to do. I know some of you are like, what? There is no evidence of that anywhere that we can see. But it's true. I absolutely, I absolutely, I imitate my wife. You know why? Because sometimes she's better at things than I am. And over the years, I've learned that with my children, sometimes her perspective is the wiser perspective. And so I imitate her. Sometimes I look at my own children and think, man, I need to imitate them because their attitude is just better about this than mine. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. I think that in the world today, because of Walmart, Superstore, and in some cases, Costco. We think that imitation is somehow bad, right? Who's ever eaten imitation cheese Whiz? Was it a good experience or a bad experience? Okay. Uh, How about, what what else? What's some other imitation imitation things? Yeah, imitation ketchup. Have you ever had off-brand ketchup before? It's not good. I will say this about Costco. Kirkland brand is pretty close to the original on most things. But some things you just, you just shouldn't mess around with. Imitation cola is not Coke or Pepsi. It's just not. Some of it gets close, but it's just not the same. And because of our, of our product-oriented ways of thinking, we often think that that word imitate is bad. But let me counter that with this part of reality. Most of what you know as a human being to this point in your life has been learned by imitating. It has. For those of you who have children under the age of five, where does 99% of the change in them come from? It comes from them growing and imitating the things they see around them. Facial expressions. I love holding a baby, and when they get to, the, you know, just to the point where they're really making facial expressions, I love every, if I've ever held your child at like three months old, I've done this. I, I look at their eyes, and I look at their face, and I start clicking my tongue, because I always want to see if they're ready to mimic that. And it's amazing to me how early it starts with a human. Right off the bat, as soon as they're able to kind of, you know, you can see that both of their eyes are kind of sort of focusing. It's like they're ready to start imitating what's put in front of their little eyes. This is a catch-22, isn't it? It works really good when we're being intentional, doesn't it, moms and dads? But the old Sunday school hymn... Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You see, little eyes are seeing everything. 
and they're imitating everything that they see. And most of us who have heard our kids say something out of character, in our opinion, or heard us say something that was downright shocking, if we're being honest with ourselves, we'll very, really, really quickly realize they might have heard that from me. They might have learned that from me. They might be doing that because I'm doing that. Guys, we are created to be imitators. And that's not inauthentic at all. It's not. In fact, according to the plan I see in the biblical worldview, it is the most authentic thing we can be. I can't be God. That ship sailed when I was conceived because the Bible says I was conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. But because of Jesus, everything changed. And I don't, I don't have to go that way. I don't have to be that way. I don't have to be that person. I can, by, by the blood of Christ, be an imitator of God. By the blood of Christ, I can have the heart and the mind of Christ and, and partake in the actions of Christ because he created me to do his good works. First Timothy says this, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger and dispute. This is actually an imitation as well. Imitate what's authentic. Imitate what God is doing. Imitate what the Spirit of God says. Fathers and fathers-to-be, both spiritual and natural, never forget this verse. If you only take away one thing from this message today, here's what it is. You will accomplish more in prayer and worship than, we, than you will by any other means. You really will. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to do all the things. I'm just saying that if you would stop and pause and pray and lift up holy hands, the work in the rest of your day will end differently for you. It's actually a principle of sowing and reaping or even tithing, giving first fruits. However you want to classify it actually doesn't matter. But the instruction of Scripture is for fathers, for men everywhere, to lift up holy hands, to pray without anger and without dispute. And you have to do this according to your source. So guys, my question then today is, who's our source? And you get to choose it. Your source could be country music for all I know. Your source could be something far more devastating, some kind of addiction, what you turn to for comfort, for relief. But there is a source that is perfect, that is clean, that is clear, that is authentic, that is righteous, that is holy. And because of Jesus, any one of us can go and take part of that source anytime we want to. We can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. We can come freely into his presence because of the blood of Jesus. I'd like, I'd like us all to stand. We're going to end the service just a little bit differently today. If you would like to come for prayer after we're done here, you are more than welcome. The prayer team would love to play, pray with you and play with you also. They would like that. Um, we're just going to play some music at the end. And if you want to respond, the, the altar is always open for you to come and receive anything that you'd like to ask from the prayer team from the Lord. But today, I'd like you, um, 
I'd like you, if your dad's here, to go stand with your dad. Let's go. Let's, let's do it. Some of you are already right there. We're going to pray for dads. And if, you're, if your dad isn't here, then find a surrogate. And if you are a dad and your dad's not here, then just stay where you are. And we're going to make sure everybody has a dad because we're going to lay hands on dads and we're going to pray for them. And I know for some of you dads that's awkward, but just tough up and hang on for a minute because God has something for you this morning. Uh, I don't know where my dad is, but you know, a couple of my sons could get it. My brother Curtis is there. He needs someone to, I need a surrogate. One of my sons can go get my brother. Where is he? He's in the back. Yeah, stand with your friend. It's all good. I, I, I know I'm walking away from you. It's okay. Just follow me around, son. It's going to be okay. I, I, just, I just don't want anybody, I want anybody to get missed. Did someone go find my little brother, Curtis? Is anybody, nobody stand with him. Oh, there he is. I'm going to go stand with him then. Come on, boys. I'm going to bring my boys. We're going to go back here. Okay. Every dad here has somebody with him now. Jamie, nobody's with you yet. Somebody, oh, your kids are with you. Okay, that's good. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you, and, and let's agree together. Because what this world needs is fathers. What the church needs are spiritual fathers. And guys, there are even people who are going to come into this church who actually need physical fathers because they don't have any. And some of those people are 40 and 50 years old. But they still need fathers. All right? I, I've made this good and awkward for all of us. That's okay. All right. Let's pray. Lay hands on a man. Father, I thank you today that you are the source of life, that you are the source of comfort, that you are the source of grace for us, and that you have everything that we need. And in fact, in Christ, you've given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And Jesus, today we pray for these men in this church, and by extension, even Lord, the men who couldn't be here this morning. Father, I pray that a new grace would find them today, that by your Holy Spirit, something would come over them, causing them, Lord, in their heart to know that that identity would be formed right now in the name of Jesus, to become more than a guardian, to become more than someone who stands by or stands on the tower, stands watch, but to become someone who is not only capable of, of, of rebuking, and, but, Father, one who is capable of restoring. Jesus, we need your help, we need your mercy, we need your strength to become that kind of man. And, Lord, today we're asking for it. And Lord, we know that your word says that you give us good and perfect gifts. And so Lord, we receive what you have for us today as men. Lord, we pray for our nation and our province and even our city that you would restore masculinity, God, in a godly way. That you would restore real men to places of power and authority. That you would restore real men to places of influence in our communities and our families, Jesus, who aren't afraid to lay their lives down, who aren't afraid to do what's right, who aren't afraid to hold to biblical principles and truth. But most of all, Jesus, we pray as men that you would just conform us to the image of who you are. Help us to be like you. And Father, today on Father's Day, I just pray a blessing of peace and joy and love and prosperity over every man in this house. Amen.
Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.